Wow, who's got the clapper? It's right here. So okay. It's below. I'm just gonna log into my Actually, Gmail so I can I can read yeah. uh, I can read my um So this is a laptop and a tablet at the same time. My man, this is everything. It's That's hybrid. So That's when I'm in tablet mode now. Honestly, especially for assistance, for in the business, really this price-wise and everything falls right into the right category. Welcome to the Fundi Podcast. My name is Joby, and today's guest is multi-award-winning producer, manager, composer, record label owner, and now uh, director of The Orchard South Africa, Nota Baloy. now learn the, the real business in the background yeah from an indie label perspective from Lanster not from, from an indie label oh okay. from Lanster yeah and this is a person who started hip-hop in South Africa yes I'd sit with him and he just loved telling this 16 year old kid about all the great and wonderful things he's been able to do in mm. his then 20 year long career the Fundi podcast is proudly brought to you by the Mesa Fundi powered by Windows 10 professional the Mesa Fundi, flexibility reimagined. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for I, inviting I, me I to really the Fundi podcast. I really appreciate it because yeah. I know you're a very busy man. You know, first you're yeah. a director, South African director of The Orchard, yeah. which is your, your new position. Yeah. Then on top of that, you run uh, Rap Life and mm. you're a label manager and mm. you manage artists and yeah. you manage business affairs yeah. and you sit on other boards and all kinds yeah. of things. How many jobs do you have? Six. Six jobs? Yeah. And how do you... Well, I don't really do the management thing anymore. Mm. I did it yeah. to teach myself how to manage artists and plan out their careers and develop them. Yeah. And now I teach artists how to manage themselves. Ah. So I'm more of a manager. This is how you've set yourself free. Yeah, exactly. I'm more of a management consultant. So like I work very closely with Tubsy. I teach her, okay, this is what your manager is supposed to do for you. Right now you're doing it for yourself. But as you grow and develop as an artist, you'll build a team around you. And these are the type of people that you need. I want to jump back to you as, as, as a teenager. Did you always know you wanted to be in the business? And in what capacity did you want to be in the business? In one of my earliest interviews i did an interview for the sowetan they were interviewing gifted children mm -hmm. children with higher learning potential in south africa and they yeah. interviewed me i was rambling on about how i want to become the next p diddy you know how i hero worship people like leonardo dicaprio it only really like dawned on me that maybe i'd need to go in the music direction when my sister went into university going into politics philosophy and economics and i need to go maybe into the arts <laughs> something that she abandoned you know yeah. and do that and fully fulfill that now fast forward mm -hmm. what's your first industry gig i got to uh, be one of the composers working on feez's album yes which was done by Native Rhythms at the time. Sipos yeah. Tole was yeah. the executive producer. At that point in time, I think they'd released Spogazi's album, Simpure Dana's first album. This is like what, 2000 what? 2006. Yeah. Yeah, 2006, 2007. And that was like the first mm. industry gig that mm. I got. So, so you're in that, that studio session. It's first time for you in a, in a big studio mm -hmm. environment. And what was that rush of adrenaline through your body 
at that time. Do you, do you recall it? Do you recall going, yeah, this is exactly where I want to be? On that first occasion, I remember a distinct memory. Sipo Stole walks into the studio. Yeah. And like all of us are sitting on the couch, a couch bigger than this, but I mean, yeah. there's like five or six of us. And I didn't know who this old man was, but like it's us African custom that yeah. if you see an old man walking and you yeah. get up off your chair. Yeah. So I got up off my chair and then he made a remark to say, you see, out of all you kids and producers here, this is the only one that was taught well at home. <laughs> You know, and I got into a conversation with him and he told me what he does, that he used to run Gallo at a point in time before he started his own record label. Yeah. He signed Squatter Camp, yes. who were legendary and people that I idolized. I guess like he was, he became my first mentor. And then what did you learn from C? The first thing is that there's a composer and a producer. Learning that also taught me what I needed to be. I'd maybe make like three or four beats in a day. Yeah. And but you it, weren't wanting to it, produce them. Well, I mean, like, it just took me forever. Mm. And I'd work with other kids who are just much more talented at getting them right. So I realized that maybe I'm more of a producer mm. and that I should take up that role. Mm. I had a very strong interest in songwriting as well. And I knew that I could communicate my thoughts yeah. and my feelings yeah. in music, yeah. you know, better than most people. So yeah. I could help contribute by helping other people write or writing songs yeah. for them. In that very studio session, he wrote a chorus. I mm. never knew that he even knows how to write music or make music, mm. but I was like, okay, mm. this guy's a suit, but he's actually a creative. He's creating this music and he's orchestrating everything. He's producing everything. Yeah. He's putting everything together. And that's the role I see myself taking up in this industry. And then what's the point that you then go from working uh, in Native Rhythms to then jumping over to Bada Bing. When I was in high school, uh, they were doing the Sprite Hip Hop Tour. That's actually the first time I also met uh, Questa. Questa yeah. I walk around and I say, oh, okay, there's Slicker, the Sugar Smacks there, bump into Slicker first. I'm like, yo, I'm a composer, producer, mm. I'd like to submit you some stuff. And then he gave me his office line. Like, <laughs> so then I bump into Sugar you Smacks. You've had this for a long time, ne? You're one of those Not guys, a... like, uh, office line, no. <laughs> no, I, like, I was like... I want your number. Well, I mean, like, I just come out of studio with Sipo's Toilet, the yeah. guy who signed you. Yes. So, if you're giving me your office line, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a teenager, but, like, it's, yeah. like, weird. Yeah. I bumped into Sugar Smacks, like, a couple minutes later. Mm. He gave me his cell phone number. He invited me to studio. Um, so Sugar gets your CD, listens to it, what is he Listens doing? to it, uh, he records a song immediately mm. and then like starts working on it. He's like, yeah, I really like the beats. I've actually even recorded one of the tracks already. I think it's going to be my first single. Yeah. Can you please come into the studio? Yeah. So when I get to Jazzworks, uh, I find Flubber there. He was the guy that I needed to drop off the steps with yes. for Sugar Smacks' single and everything. A few weeks later, um, the track was released on the Ventilation Street tape yes. as well as Slicker's album no, as a Street bonus track. And, 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 and Slicker's album were really huge. Yeah. And so then there you are, barely out of high school. I'm not even out of high school. I'm still <laughs> in high school, you know. Um, I still got class to go to and everything else. I did an internship at Ghetto Rough. The first assignment, submitting Ishmael for the Crown Gospel Awards, mm. which he won. Um, so you now learn the, the real business in the background. Yeah. From an indie label perspective. From Lonster. Not from, from an indie label. Oh, okay. From Lonster. From yeah. And this is a person who started hip-hop in South Africa. Yes. I'd sit with him and he just loved telling this 16-year-old kid about all the great and wonderful things he's mm. been able to do in mm. his then 20 year long career and i was just absorbing that like a sponge so you're quite the walking encyclopedia of south african music yeah i mean i got taught by sipo's toilet i got yeah. taught by lance i got taught and inducted by squatter camp and butter being entertainment so now i want to fast forward to where you and questa decide to start to work together butter being has got an artist called questa okay what are you guys doing with questa you guys don't have a plan it's fine 
I'll come up with a plan. Really? Yeah. So, so this is like what, 2009, 2008? Yeah. And the beginning of 2009, that's when I really started working on Quest of the Brand. So I dropped the brand uh, profile. I had a slideshow. Yes. And all the slides had a bottle of Heineken in them. Yeah. Because I saw that this guy... He drinks, loves drinking Heineken, which You know he what does. I mean? You know, he, he, he's always drank Heineken. So I really got into it and I like yeah. put it together in like a, a track order and I was like, okay, this guy's ready for an album. At that point in time, mm. Butter Bing were planning to release another artist who was signed to them, Tido. Yes. And I was like, hold on. I understand that, you know, you guys might have had plans in the past, but yo, this Quest this stuff here. is like better than anything out this guy is who you guys should be investing in uh one of the days i like just conjured up a plan i was like smacks let's call tito in let's have a listening session to his album by the time he comes into the studio i'd already gone to the studio where he was working and i was like damn there's only like three or four tracks here yeah so when he came to the studio a couple of days later i knew there was only three or four tracks there For his album. but like i was like let's have a meeting so yeah. that we can decide <laughs> who's coming out next i never go into a fight that i haven't won already yes so, yes like you know what i mean i win the fight and then it's yeah. the battle. Yeah. So he comes in and then he plays four or five tracks. I was like, yeah. let's give him some time. Maybe he might need some time. Um, tomorrow Quest is coming in. Let's hear what he's got. Yeah. Obviously, I know he's got like 15 tracks that are ready for an album and everything else. <laughs> he plays the whole thing and then like, this guy's ready to ready release. To so release. you know what? Let's just release this album right now. They're yeah. like, okay, well, where's the marketing plan? Here it is. Where's the promo plan? Here, Here it is. is. Uh, what is our first single? Yeah. Slicker, I know that there's some producer from Cape Town who sent you some beats that mm. could work for a new single. Let's try that. And then Slicker just just like you know wrote a hook for him mm. for a song called stomp mm. and said it's fine this was one of my beats you can have it mm. and then that was quester's first single on his first album wow and younger uh you know his first video yes. that he directed yes so we're working as a team together. and that's when i also first met younger around yeah. that time I knew Younger more as a director. Yeah. Or a young new director. Yeah, we were we were actually a group called the Bloody Agents. Yes. We made music together in the office like after hours, like when everybody would close down, we'd go upstairs to the studio. And just make music. And record music, record yeah. songs and hone our, our craft. So your ten thousand hours, by eighteen you'd already clocked in your ten thousand hours. By eighteen, yeah. I'd already clocked in my ten thousand hours. I was really good at like club promoting. My first real big club promoting opportunity. Um, I got to do the Alias's album launch. Yes. I got to do Akon's concert after party. Yeah. I got to do 50 Cent's concert after party. We had like parties at Black Orchard. Yes. You know, I used to run that club when I was a teenager, when I was in high school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and do parties at Catwalk, you yeah. know, in Four Ways and stuff like that and really create a scene yeah. for South African hip hop. We were making all this music, but we had no place to play it. If we That's were DJs, one. we had no place to perform it. If we were artists. That was two. We'll put on a show, we'll yeah. book the DJs, we'll yeah. make sure that these hip-hop artists around here are circulating and I've got a place to work. By that time, I was able to book your pro kids. I paid them with a check for like 15,000 rands, you know. <laughs> I carried it at school and then like after school, like he came past <laughs> and I handed him his check. I was like, yeah, Friday. Yeah, you know, coming game. call time is 11 p.m. Yes. You know what I mean? And all the kids at school are like, what? Is that pro kid? Like, yeah. where's he going? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him to hang around. You know what I have to say about you? And the one thing I've loved about watching you grow yeah. is literally you and Questa were one of the few guys I saw. Go take your money, get a van, get in the van yeah. and live in that van. Yeah. Like you went from club gig to club gig all across the country. Yeah. Like you'd have all the clubs lined yeah. up. 
all the colleges lined up. Yeah. And by the time you'd come back from a weekend, you'd done yeah. like 12 gigs. So when I was 19, 2009, yeah. I think it was announced that Lil Wayne had just like had the highest grossing North American tour. I think it grossed like 48 million US dollars. Yeah. I was like, damn. So touring, that's actually how these guys make money in America. So mm -hmm. that's exactly what we were trying to do. We'd go into these various different regions and try and create a touring circuit. So we'd know if we're in the Eastern Cape, we need to do PE, we need to do Grahamstown, we need to do East London. And even though hip hop was not in demand at the time, if we were able to engage with mm. this demographic, yeah. Um, with a performance, you know, that's like the best way to promote yourself as yeah. a brand. One of the things you guys did really well mm -hmm. was you learned how to mitigate what would be the objections, mm. so to speak, from mm. like a club promoter. Yeah. You knew how to combine yeah. the costs from a promoter side. Yeah. And you made it so that they just were like, you know what, what the hell? Yeah. Come on through. Well, that's my experience as a promoter myself. Yes. So I knew exactly what they were looking for. I knew exactly how they're making their money. Yeah. I'd promoted myself. All they needed to do was just allow Quest to perform. Coming up in the next episode. It would be unfortunate that, you know, in the very following year, Flava passes, mm. passes away. Yeah, You know, you. he's the first guy that I went to in studio when I was selling sips for Sugar Smacks, you mm. know what I mean? Mm. And was like a bigger brother to me, always mm. very friendly guy. And then he passed very tragically. The Fundi Podcast is broadly brought to you by Mesa Fundi. Now, in order to win one of these, all you gotta do is follow at shop Mesa, press like on one of the posts, and tag a friend. Terms and conditions do apply. Gotta be a South African resident. Sorry, rest of the world. Other than that, yeah, press like away. Mm -hmm.